This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerest, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. Deadline is coming up for extended business and personal tax returns, but most people should already be looking at the future. The fall is the perfect time to review the year and forecast on what they think the year is going to look like, how can you try and minimize or plan for taxes if you don't even know where you stand right now. That's exactly what we're going to talk about this week. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. For over 30 years, NapaTrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the most comprehensive SMS in the industry. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at NapaTrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S.com. It's time to hire a superstar for your business. What a grind you have in front of you. Great news, you don't have to go at it alone. Introducing Promotive, a full-service staffing solution for your shop. Let them do the heavy lifting. Enlist your hiring partner at gopromotive.com. There are many thoughts, and I've heard everything over the years, on the benefit of extending tax returns. Well, hon, I don't want to file my taxes until the deadline of September or October because it's going to lower my audit risk. I don't like getting my tax information together, so you know what? Just extend me, Hunt, and we'll do this. We'll figure this out in the fall. Or maybe it's not even your own choice. I have a lot of clients that come on board with us, and one of their major frustrations is, I gave my accountant everything the second week of February. That should make you the accountant's favorite client. But instead, they have no intention of ever filing it on the deadline, and they always extend these. So there's a couple things on here that I want to kind of clear the air and demystify some of these rumors that I think go around here and I think really do people a disservice. Now, to kind of start at the bottom one on here, a lot of accountants, it's very common for them to deliberately try and extend at least a portion of their tax returns. I know some, not firsthand, but secondhand, where virtually all of their tax returns get extended. Now, if your business is a classical accounting firm, you probably have way too much work to ever realistically get all of your client's tax returns done in two, three-month period that is tax season. Because if you were, what are you going to do the rest of the year? My firm is a bit different than the classical accounting and tax firm because obviously we are doing taxes for our clients, but we're also helping them, guiding them, giving them financials throughout the year, which also allows us to be looking at taxes throughout the year. Tax planning cannot be done while you're doing a tax return. It's too late. And also by your accountant saying, hey, I'm going to extend you, you're not helping yourself at all. And if you owe money and you have to pay that money in September, not April, not only are they not helping you, they're actually costing you money because you're going to get penalties for not paying that tax on time. Remember, an extension of your tax returns is an extension of time to file. If you owe money, you are going to get penalized because they're going to want to say, you should have given this on April 15th. You're now paying me on August 31st. This is how much we're going to charge you in penalties and interest for that five, five and a half months, whatever it is. While there are situations that we do have to extend our clients, but still our client's choice. If you're not going to give me this stuff, I can't just make this up. Also, a lot of my clients have other investments outside of it. Oh, I have this K-1 that I'm waiting for, or I need to figure out what my retirement contribution is. 
And yeah, we do extend those clients. Now, when we extend those clients, we're looking at to make sure that we don't need to make any extension payments so that we don't have those penalties. But what I'm trying to say here is if you do not have a reason that you absolutely need to extend, I'm always going to be trying to extend or I'm always going to try to be filing on time because then it closes that chapter and I can immediately start looking at that upcoming year. Talking about lowering your audit risk, kind of skipped over, I don't like getting my tax information together because there's no real excuse on that. It doesn't really take you that much time. I get it. You don't like looking at this stuff. It's boring. It's annoying to try and track it down, but you're going to have to do it no matter what. Might as well get it over with. As far as lowering your audit risk, there has never been any sort of empirical evidence to back up the fact that I think where this probably started out was kind of an example of if you're in a thousand student class in college and everyone is putting their test on the professor's desk after the test is over, you shove yours into the middle of the pile, they're going to have no idea. All of the tests are getting turned at the same time and it gets lost in the shuffle. I think that's where this originally started because at some point on all of the deadlines, April 15th, September, October, there was a massive influx of tax returns and more or less probably got stacked up to the ceiling in paper. Flash forward to today, though, there's virtually no paper tax returns. All of this is electronically filed and it's all getting put into the same computer system. It's not, I don't see how there's any possible where where they could say, you know what, let's look at these people that are filing in April, not the ones that are filing in September, October. It's just no reason behind it. So again, if you have a justification where you're waiting for something, you can't get it together, I get it. But don't try and justify that it's actually any sort of real empirical evidence to show that you're helping yourself lowering your audit risk. Like we talked about before, probably the exact opposite and could be costing you money. And most importantly here, extending the taxes provides no value, even though it's sometimes necessary. And it also delays the ability to start looking forward. And I tell my clients a lot, especially ones that call up and shoot me an email or email one of the team members here and say, Hunt, I need to know where I stand on taxes for this upcoming year. I take a look and kind of see if they've finished a tax estimate yet. And notice we haven't finished up 2022 taxes. We can, to a certain degree, figure out what it looks like for 2023, even if the taxes aren't finalized for the previous year, but it doesn't really give us a whole lot of authority to act on it because we say, all right, I kind of know what it's probably going to look like for this year. We haven't finished up last year, so I don't want you to pay in $20,000 in estimated vouchers when you could have a $15,000 balance due from last year, and we just sent all the money already to the IRS and we can't get credit for it. Not having your previous year closed out is already putting you behind the eight ball. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how we handle tax planning for our clients right now, not to brag and say, hey, this is the only way to do it, but to just kind of give you an example of what is a reasonable expectation on this and also to kind of give you some tips here that if you aren't getting this out of your accountant or maybe don't even have an accountant, kind of give you some ideas on how do you look at this yourself and kind of give some rough ideas on where you stand. First and foremost, talk to your accountant. Um, A lot of accountants should be able to give you this guidance. Some of them are already going to do it automatically. Like for my clients, you don't need to ask for a tax estimate. We're already working on it. It's just something that we automatically do to make sure that our clients are prepared and doing the right things. A lot of other accountants are going to be able to do this if you give them the information, right? If you're not working with them on a monthly basis or throughout the year, they don't know if business is up or business is down. And I would have to think that if you called them up and said, hey, 
Mr. and Mrs. Accountant, about double ahead as far as net profit from where I stood last year. What does that look like? What kind of estimates do I need? Can you help me kind of come up with some strategies here to reduce that? That, of course, they would hopefully be able to jump in there and help you out. If you cannot call your accountant up, if your accountant does not give you a tax estimate, does not want to help you on this at all, you don't need to hire me, but you need to find someone else, right? This is what you are getting from your accountant. You're trying to get advice. You're trying to get support. If you are just getting a tax return, that is just transactional. Anyone can provide a tax return. The real value of working with the right professionals is going beyond what you see on that paper. Okay, this was last year. What can we do differently? Do we need to change our entity? Do we need to change our pay? How do we make sure that we are doing all of the right things and not just giving away money that we could have done something to rectify the situation or even just kind of improve where we stand? Maybe you're in that situation where you're saying to yourself, "Hun, I just don't have the right accountant. For whatever reason, you don't want to switch on it and you want to kind of get some numbers by yourself. Or, hey, maybe you do have a good accountant. Maybe I'm your accountant on it. And you just want to kind of learn a little bit more to kind of be able to track this stuff yourself. Or maybe you work with other shops and you want to be able to give them some guidance to make sure that they're doing the right thing. What I want to do now is talk about how we do this tax estimates for our clients, but also give you some real tools to be able to do some at least rough numbers of your own. This is our tax planning season. The summer, early fall is when we're really going down through and we're looking at all of our clients' financials. And we're sitting here first, second week of September. So a lot of my clients we're going to have August financials for, but for the rest of them, we should at least have July or about seven months of data throughout the year. And so what we're doing for our clients when we're doing our tax estimates and our tax planning is really almost a complete tax return business and personal to forecast exactly what we're expecting the ultimate tax return to look like. So we're factoring in your personal income, whether that's investments, uh, your W-2 pay, also what you got going on for personal deductions for interest, charity, and stuff like that. On the business, we have seven, eight months of financials where we have a bottom line net income amount that we can now forecast for the rest of the year as far as expectations. So if you're looking at your financials right now and you're making, let's say, 70,000 in net profit through July, you divide that by seven, So that averages out, you're making about $10,000 a month in profit, and we forecast that for the rest of the year. So we would estimate this business to be at about $120,000 of net income by the time the end of the year comes. NapaTrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the industry's best, most comprehensive SMS. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you need to run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice, and having a local representation is a huge plus. Customizing tracks to your business, whether you're a one-person shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company, our representative consults with you to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. And unlike the other guys, we'll be there for you after installation with the best training and support in the business with a learning management system tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Are you tired of spending endless hours searching for the perfect talent to join your team? Promotive is your full-service automotive staffing solution. At Promotive, we believe in being more than just a recruiting agency. 
We become an extension of your team working tirelessly to ensure we place the right talent with the right shops. With our always be recruiting mindset, we're constantly seeking out the best professionals in the industry. We manage 90 to 95% of the recruiting process, taking the burden off your shoulders. When you partner with Promotive, you gain a dedicated recruiter and account manager who will work closely with you, understanding your unique requirements and seeking out candidates who fit seamlessly into your shop's culture. We'll ensure that every candidate we present is thoroughly vetted and aligned with your needs. With Promotive, you'll have a peace of mind knowing that we're handling the recruitment process with expertise and precision. We don't just match resumes, we match character, culture, and long-term success. Visit our website at gopromotive.com today and experience the power of Promotive's expertise and dedication. Together, we'll build a stronger and more successful team. You might be thinking to yourself, Hunt, that is a very oversimplification. One of the downsides of the automotive industry is there is peaks and valleys, good times, bad times. And really, if anything, generally the fourth quarter and specifically December are some of the lower months for my clients. There's less working days because of the holidays. And also a lot of people are doing end of year bonuses and stuff like that. The method to our madness here is when we do our tax estimates and tax planning, I want to go conservative. Meaning if I tell you're going to owe 20 grand, I'm going to be extremely surprised if we undershoot that and you end up owing 25,000. Now, would I be surprised if we estimated you were going to owe 20 grand, you only owed 15? No. And that would actually be a perfect example. I want to be conservative. I want to make sure that you're prepared and you're doing the right things. Now, if you come back and you're getting a $300,000 refund, you're not going to be that unhappy with me or you're not going to be that happy with me probably, but you're getting a couple thousand dollars back, five, 10 grand back. Hey, we're expecting to make more money next year as well too. So we could probably just kick that forward and reduce the amount of estimates. Taxes are never going to go away. Tax rates are probably never going to go down. So whether you'd like it or not, taxes are here and should be here for the upcoming future. Paying tax, no one likes to do it. I'm not going to argue with that. It stinks. It hurts. But you want to be paying tax. If you do not owe any money, if you do not pay any tax of the government, that is not a good thing, probably. That means that we're not making enough money. Like I said, with December, there is some adjustments in there. Now, if you have major amounts, you do want to factor that in. I'm not going to factor in end of your bonuses for technicians. I'm not going to factor in closing down for a couple of days because again, it's not, shouldn't be a material 10, 20% shift in what I'm forecasting here. Now, there are some other things that I do take into consideration. What if I was making $70,000 through July and I realized that I'd only made about 30,000 and 40,000 of that was actually from selling a vehicle or a piece of equipment in the first quarter. I don't want to forecast that income for the entire year. So I don't want to say, hey, I'm going to make about $120,000 this year. I only want to forecast what the business is making. So if I forecast this out of knowing that even though I made 70,000, only 30,000 actually came from the shop, then instead of forecasting for 120,000 of profit, it's probably going to be more like 80 or 90. Hey, I had a $40,000 sale from that piece of equipment. That shouldn't happen again this year. And I should have about another 20 grand in regular profit from the business. Make sure that you sometimes have to factor out some income that is just not going to happen again. ERTC money, all kinds of one-time income. We don't want to expect that in the, or we don't want to forecast that out for the whole year. Again, worst case scenario, you do, and you're going to be a little bit more conservative. 
but use your best judgment on that. So just like factoring in one-time income, we also need to be factoring in one-time expenses as well. So maybe you had a large sales tax audit that you had to give the government $50,000. So even though your net income is showing 70,000, really the business made 120,000, you had a large expense coming through. We don't want to forecast that for the rest of the year. So instead of forecasting 120, it's probably more like 200 because we're not going to, or hopefully not going to have another large settlement payment to make before the year is out. Another thing here is retirement, right? Are you planning to max out your retirement or make large capital improvements to the business? Maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh, I haven't done anything in my retirement. I want to put $20,000 in it before the end of the year. I'm just not sure if I'm going to be able to. I always want to forecast those out, but again, conservatively. If I know I'm going to do 10 and I want to maybe do 20, I'm going to forecast 10 and hopefully surprise myself and and come in a little bit lower. I don't want to bank on doing something that I'm not going to explicitly commit to doing and kind of undershoot this and leave myself up with a surprise at the end of the year. Also, if you're planning to buy a large piece of equipment, then that could be the end of it really right there. If you're expected to show about $120,000 in profit and you are already signed or you plan to sign the paperwork to buy a $120,000 alignment machine, we can write off the entire cost of that in the first year and it should pretty much eliminate all tax liability associated with the business. Now, all of the stuff was talking about just the operating business itself. And if your personal taxes are fairly simple and there's nothing else going on, then that's it. But a lot of people have rentals, whether you have a self-rental with your shop or other investment properties, and maybe your spouse works, whether they're self-employed as well or they have a job, all of that needs to be factored into the overall tax planning. Hey, it's great that we expected the business profits to be exactly the same. What if your wife's business tripled their profit? Then we could have a tax liability Even though we already tried to do an estimate just for your business, you got to take the other things into consideration there. Now that we have an idea of how much income we're expected to show for the year, we need a couple ways to figure out where we stand. I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse here, right? This is not to replace me. This is not to replace your accountant, but this is to give you kind of maybe a sanity check to know, hey, should I be panicking? Should I be kind of not as nervous about this? None of this is to say, hey, I have this figured out myself. I don't need to talk to my CPA to kind of get their opinion. So if you're looking at your income and it is, let's say, fairly similar to last year, going to forecast 120 for this year, pretty much what we did exactly for last year. If you have kept your withholdings and your estimates exactly the same and you have no other real changes personally as far as your personal income, then you know you're probably in a pretty good spot for taxes. If you got a small refund last year, all things being equal, should expect about the same for this year. In most situations, that doesn't happen. It's either going to come in higher or lower, and to what degree varies greatly. Let's say that last year was actually higher than what you're expecting for this year. So maybe only expecting about $100,000 in profit this year. Again, if you leave all of your estimates and withholdings exactly the same, you're almost guaranteeing yourself that you're going to get a refund or better than what it looked like for last year. Now, if it's much, much lower, you really probably need to look in to say, hey, should I even pay these estimates? The last thing that we want to do is if the income is really low, which means that our cash is probably hurting a little bit too, is to give too much money for the government throughout the year and then have to wait for it come April. Now, if it's fairly similar on it, probably no cause for alarm drastically down, that should be sending the alarm bells as well. 
What if it comes in more from last year? It's trending way above. Again, if it's a little bit over, we have some ways that we can kind of get a little bit of a sandy check on this. If it's massively different, I would even try and do this yourself. Talk to your accountant, shoot a message, say, hey, let's look at this because we are already double, triple of what we are expecting or where we were last year. Now, let's say that you have somewhat of a marginal increase. You're $50,000 in profit above where you were last year and just want to kind of know what that's going to cost you or kind of where you stand. So the general number that I use is about 25%. So if you're about 50,000 in profit ahead of where you were last year, I'd factor in that we need another 12 or 13 grand set aside to cover that. Cash looks good. You've already maybe even increased your estimates anyways. You can probably think to yourself, all right, I might not be dead on here, but I'm in a pretty good spot. What if you're like some of my clients, right? I've already doubled, tripled your income halfway through the year. Yeah, we need to start pulling that early. Now, if your account doesn't automatically do a tax return for you or a tax estimate for you, then yeah, reach out. Hey, alarm bells. I need to know where I stand. I need to make sure that I'm doing the right things. Or maybe I just need to start saving some of this money because I don't really need to do any sort of capital investments. Now, if you are one of my clients and you are nervous, don't think to yourself, well, hey, they'll call me at some point. We will, no matter what. Even if you don't ask us to do a tax estimate, we're going to call you. But if you're nervous about this, shoot us a message. Shoot your monthly person an email saying, hey, can you have someone take a look at this? I'm just kind of getting a little bit uneasy and want to get ahead of this. When I'm looking at financials and what I advise my team is this as well too, this is something that we're looking when we're reviewing our clients' numbers. Obviously, is this accurate? Is this up to date? Is this correct? Is the major factor there? But if my team sees major jumps either up or down on this comparing to last year, we're going to pull that early to make sure that we have time to do all of the right things to plan, minimize, forecast, et cetera, et cetera. Either way, though, if you're forecasting more than you were for last year, especially if it's significantly more, you're probably going to need to bump up your estimated tax payments for the rest of the year or set some money aside or maybe something in between. Now, I get it. No one likes making estimated tax payments and everyone always asks me, well, Hunt, do I really need to make these payments? And short answer to that is yes. I'm not going to do this and just say, well, you don't actually have to. I'm just sending this out. That'd be a waste of everyone's time. But why do you need to make estimated tax payments? And I'm not going to bore you with the tax laws or the thresholds and stuff like that. The general idea that you need to know is, let's say that you owe $100,000 in tax. If you paid the IRS $100,000 on April 15th or hey, maybe even do your tax returns early and you pay them on February 15th, you are going to get penalized. You are going to get penalized for underpayment of estimated taxes because the IRS does not want that one-time payment. They want that split up equally throughout the year. Now, in practice, the actual formula is a bit more complicated than that. It takes into consideration how much you've paid last year, how much you're going to owe this year on this. But yeah, when we talk to our clients on this, we're saying, here is how much you're going to owe Here's how much you need to pay in. If you want to kind of keep this remainder and pay the remainder in April, then fine. But we want to make sure that you're paying in enough that you don't have those underpayment penalties. It's not massive, right? It's not like that person that owes a hundred grand and paid it all on the deadline is going to owe them another $25,000, but it could cost them a couple hundred, couple thousand dollars in underpayment penalties. The larger amount, the larger the penalties. Maybe you don't like making the large payments or want to kind of split that up throughout the year. If you're looking to yourself and saying, hey, I'm a little bit short, 
We also a lot of times increase our clients' withholdings. If we wanted to pay in $25,000 a year, yeah, I could split that up into four equal payments and give my client estimated tax payments, but the IRS is just as okay with you adding an extra $500 to your withholding every week on your paycheck. End of the year, it's going to pay in the same amount of money, and the IRS looks at that as both kosher and both okay to do that. If your tax liability is small enough, maybe you could increase your withholdings and get away with not doing any estimated tax payments. Realistically, for most of my clients, it's a combination of both. Hey, we're going to chip away at it. We're going to bump up the withholdings on our paycheck and also have to pay in some quarterlies. No one likes paying taxes, but it is a champagne problem to have. If you don't need to bump up your withholding, if you don't need to pay in any estimates, probably not a badge of honor, probably means that we're not making enough profit. That being said, no one likes to pay taxes. And I'm not going to get real into tax planning. We've kind of went over that in a pretty good detail here, but kind of some quick, easy ones and a little bit of background on, on how we look at this and how we decide, does this make sense? So really the big thing is if you're looking to spend money or make investments to reduce your tax liability, First and foremost, you always just need to be asking yourself, do you need to do this and should you do this? Is this going to make me more money? Is this going to make my life easier? Is this going to make my team's life easier? Then all of those are logical yes questions. Hey, it's going to make me more money. So I should do this. I should make this investment and I should leverage it to the fullest as far as the tax minimization. But if this is not going to make me any more money, if this is not going to make my team's life any easier, my life any easier, then it never makes sense just to spend money for the tax benefit. Yeah, we're saving 25 cents on the dollar, but our cash is out in the rate of 75 cents on the dollar. It just doesn't make sense. Should you do this is really kind of more of a timing question on it. And so let's say that you don't necessarily need something yesterday, and maybe income is a little bit down for this year. You're planning on doing redoing your parking lot to the tune of about 40 grand sometime in the near future, then maybe I would think about not doing it this year. Right? If my tax liability is low, sure, I'll get a tax break. But am I getting a tax break at a lower tax bracket where I could actually delay that a little bit and do it next year where I expect my taxes to be higher? Same flip side. Hey, maybe you were planning to do this in the first quarter, but we have a monstrous tax bill here staring us in the face. Maybe I'm going to accelerate that timeline and do it this year, leverage the benefit instead of not doing it, having a big tax liability, and then having a reduced amount of cash to then pay for these improvements or equipment or whatever it might be. The easy one on here, the most favorite deduction I have out there is retirement. And generally on retirement, whether you have a liability, whether you have a refund on it, it's always a good thing to max it out because there's annual limits to this. But do not go overboard. Only put in the amount of money that you do not expect to need anytime soon. This is a one-way street. If you are not full retirement age and you put money into a 401k and then have to take it back out, not only do you get to hit with the taxes because it was a deduction for us when we put it in there, we also get hit with additional penalties on top of it for having an early withdrawal from a retirement plan. So do not go overboard on retirement. Put away what you are never going to miss on this. And what a lot of my clients do is kind of go to that middle ground of, hey, I know at least want to put this much in there. And then before you kind of close out the year on it, take a look at what your cash and what your liability looks like. And maybe then you put in the catch up or, or max it out there in the last couple of weeks of the year. Just make sure you don't ex overextend yourself. 
cash is king and mm, retirements are great, but they don't have a whole lot of liquidity to them in most situations. Also buying equipment, right? Buying equipment is the most popular thing out there and a lot of people think the best way to do it. But does it make sense, right? Doesn't make sense to just go buy new lifts if the ones we have are in perfectly working order just to try and save money on taxes. Hey, that five-year-old lift is going to make me the same amount of money as that zero-year-old lift. Don't do this just for the tax consequences behind it. But let's say it does make sense. It does cash flow on it. Whether you buy this cash, whether you sign a lease, or whether you sign loan documents, all of those are treated like we bought that this year. So December 31st, Hunter comes in there. You sign on a dotted line for that $120,000 new alignment rack. We can write off that entire cost this year, even though you have not actually paid a single cent towards it. Paperwork is dated for this year. We get the tax deduction for this year. Now, a couple misnomers here are kind of miss. Do not mess with your rent to try and save money on taxes. Paying yourself more rent is going to reduce your business income, but your personal income is going to go up because you're going to have to pay tax on the additional rental income. So we're taking money out of our right pocket, putting it in our left pocket. It's generally not going to hurt you, but it's also not going to help you either. And lastly, don't bonus yourself, right? Don't take an additional amount on payroll. Don't bonus your spouse. Why? Because just like rent, we are getting a deduction on the business, but that's washed out by the personal income from that bonus. But what is left over is a 15% payroll tax on top of it. We are not getting any tax benefit by, from an income tax perspective and actually shooting ourselves in the foot by paying in more in FICA and Medicare by increasing that payroll. Do not bonus yourself. Do not buy equipment that you don't need and make sure you don't overextend yourself on retirement contributions. To wrap this all up, taxes are supposed to be handled proactively, not reactively. And if you don't know where you stand on the upcoming year is going to look like, how can you make sure you are doing the right things? And this is not something that should be all on you. This episode is to give you a better understanding, but you need professionals. If you cannot get a tax estimate from your accountant or you're running blind, you don't need to hire my firm. This is not a sales pitch. This is not the intent of this. It is to stress how important getting ahead of this is, not only for a tax perspective, but also for peace of mind. The stakes are too high and you are costing yourself money and peace of mind by not having the right team behind you. As always, please share with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listing app. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.